0: Welcome to yet another edition of Pubcast from the Britain Yankee. And we are in the Britain Yankee pub today, live. And I'm very happy to say that Illinois has become a tier one state where we can now open up and have 25% capacity. And so I do have 25% capacity here in the pub. I'm very happy to welcome my uh, co host for the evening mr chuck fort from church street hello chuck hello
1: phil i'm here all 25 percent of me
0: (laughs) and you're down the other end of the bar which is why we're not in the same picture that's correct we are socially distancing one another i can barely see you (laughs) i know (laughs) and that's probably a good thing for you so how's things been going down at church street
1: oh pretty wonderful we're brewing lots of beer and uh just waiting for everybody to get through the shots and get healthy and get on back to doing what we'd like to do.
0: Excellent. A wonderful thing. Well, um, today is a very special edition because I received a package of wonderful beers from a brewery down in Boca Raton, Florida. And it's one that we have had uh, an association with through Church Street because you and uh, Kevin who I'm going to introduce formally in just a second, brewed a, a double beer, or is that double? I don't know. Which is it, John?
1: Do Go with the doob. Doob. Go with the do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, good. Um, so, anyway, uh, you guys brewed a beer together called uh, Sister – what was it?
1: Abigail Sister what? Abigail. Ab- no,
0: Abigail. That's right. Good old Abigail. <laughs> and uh you brewed it with barrel amongst brewing who are down in boca raton florida and i'm very happy to say that joining us live from his office i think is (laughs) mr kevin Kevin abbott who is owner slash director of operations and probably does a whole bunch of other stuff as well oh i'll I'll get a little feedback so i'll see if i can keep keep that under control um Welcome, Kevin. How the heck are you? How's the weather down there, and how's COVID?
2: Uh, well, uh, thank you guys for having me. I'm happy to be with you. The weather's lovely. It's a nice brisk 65, uh, which is freezing cold for us. So I have my earmuffs on and my and my and my w- winter gloves. Uh, and uh, COVID is doing exactly the same thing it's probably doing for near you guys it's really suppressing a lot of the business down here sales are down people aren't going to the bars as much which is good it's something that we definitely support but it is it is tough you know a lot of people have said hey listen things are gonna get back to normal we're planning for a pretty rough 2021 so we're hunkering down we're trying to make some beer and we have a couple new things that we just released that are sitting in front of you so uh there are some exciting things going on in all this
0: madness by the way. I hope nobody has uh, any of those problems with strobe lights because you've got your fan going. Ah, (laughs) and I'm like going, oh, oh, I'm having a paralytic fit. Oh, you've got (laughs) a remote. I've got a remote
2: for us. Oh, good. In my office slash (laughs) bedroom.
0: You're not. You're not going to get too sweaty, are you? Now you turned it off. No, I think I'm going to be just fine. Oh, okay. That was rough. All right. Cool. Well, hopefully we're not going to get too much feedback here. I'm trying, uh, the reason that we've got a little bit of feedback and a few problems is because of the fact that Chuck is down the other end, and I I don't know how to figure out how to close him off, but uh, (laughs) we might be able to do something about that. Um, (laughs) Anyway, thank you very much for sending us a whole slew of beers. So we wanted to share with people, if they go down to Florida, um, these beers that being made by, I think, one of the greatest breweries down there, um, our Monks. So I've got a selection of them here that you sent to us, and I wanted to try out uh, a few of them, uh, four of them, to be precise. And the first one that we're going to try, I'm going to put these other ones to one side here because we want to uh, get get those out of the way so we can give two two, uh, calls to to the the first one. one. This Now, you guys are a Belgian-style brewery, right?
2: That is correct. And so
0: what you've done here is called Endless Enigma, and I'm going to push that forward. There we go. It's an India pale ale. Does it have a Belgian twist?
2: So... This does have a Belgian yeast strain. We are a Belgian brewery and we use our house yeast strain for this beer, but this is the first time we've ever made an IPA. This is a big pivot for us in 2021. It's something that we've had coming for a long time. And if you read the side of the can, it says, you know, five years in the making, we've been developing this recipe. We developed this recipe first as a BPA, as a Belgian pale ale. And over the years, we've, Chuck, I don't know if you agree with me on this, but I've always felt usually Belgian yeast and American hops turn taste like dishwashing detergent. I I find that they can, they taste like bubble gum and soap. And, you just have to find the right hops and that's that's what we had to do we had to go and find some more fruity hops less total citrus forward Get the right yeast strain with the right expression the right fermentation temperature and over the years we've been tweaking this we also had a couple people join the brewery that were big hop heads and kind of headed up this project and did a lot of research i mean tons and tons of research into stuff that I can't even understand anymore about you know what specific oils are in this hop versus this one that give off different phenols and, and aromatics. So uh, we developed this recipe over a long time. We decided this was the perfect time to not only jump into IPAs, but to jump into cans. We've never canned a beer before. So it was the perfect marriage because this kind of hazy New Englandish style IPA typically comes in a in a 16 ounce tall boy four-pack can. And We wanted to kind of shock our customer base. We did this as a one-off release. We will bring some – we're doing a new can release every couple months. And it was a smashing success. We sold uh, 32 cases uh, of this beer the the day we released it and sold out in the tasting room. And we're excited. We're going to be doing a double IPA for our anniversary in a couple months.
0: All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to crack it open here. And hopefully you'll be able to see this on my close-up can. Did you say double IPA?
2: We'll be do- this is a this is a regular like a six point three percent IPA. We'll be doing a double IPA for our anniversary beer this year. Oh okay. And uh, that'll be coming out. We this is a mobile canning unit. We don't have a canning line ourselves. We still have our bottling line, and this is just kind of an extra little twist on something that we've been m- messing around with. Uh, my uh, my assistant brewer, Ralph, uh, one of the things he likes to say is this has got kind of – it's got the New England kind of hop profile as far as very little bittering hops, very fruity hops. And then we have the Belgian Twist, which is our Belgian yeast strain, and it has some West Coast uh, IPA uh, citrus in there as well. So we're really proud of it. It has turned out really, really well. It's getting great reviews.
0: Yeah, as I look at this, I see that it is definitely not – clear yeah um it's not overly hazy it's not a
2: milkshake this is this is not a crazy milkshake ipa but we definitely with our yeast strain with the amount of hops that we put in the beer we do get a little bit of cloudiness which is to be expected and is what we're looking for in the style
0: the aroma is uh fruity but not citrusy it's
1: fruity but it's got the the spice that also goes with the from the yeast. So they, they kind of work together, and a lot of times the danger is with this is that you'll, my it will be too happy. They'll be you know too astringent, or the, the the finish will be too harsh. And this one it isn't. It's right where right where you'd like it to be. So that's a nice uh, balancing act. I can see, you know, what you were talking about about the research you put into it and the amount of work it shows because it's hard to get that. Balance, in my opinion, anyway. So, anyway, I think it. I think it came out
0: pretty well. Thanks, Chuck. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's almost got a floral. Um, Yeah. What I would call like perfumey, but I I think think it's floral floral more than that. Yeah,
1: it's the it's the hops and the uh, and the yeast character are working together for a um, for an end result, which is um, very nice.
0: This is definitely an IPA outside of the piney ones that I can drink.
2: <laughs> it's got a soft, it's got a soft mouth feel. It does, it has very low bitterness, so it doesn't have that astringency like Chuck said on the back end, which is all indicative of the style. But the one thing I love about using a Belgian yeast strain in this style of beer is that. We are looking for fruity. We are looking for tropical. We are looking for some of those esters that are going to come out from the hops. And with the right yeast strain and the right hops, those two can play well together. And, yeah. that's, what, and that's what we ended up with, I think, here. it's it, We're really excited about where this is going to go because this is not a year-round beer for us. This was a, a beer that we kind of developed. We've brought it in and brought it out. This is the first can release. It's already gone. We have another can release coming up in two months. Endless Enigma will be back later on in the year. And then we're going to kind of assess. We're going to see what are the beers that the people like the most in this run, in this kind of series of canned beers. And that might be a pivot for Barrel of Monks overall. But we also kind of wanted to show people that we could do hoppy beers. We, we chose not to for almost six years. And we yeah. said, okay. Well, if we're gonna do it we're gonna do it well we think we're gonna do it right and uh I, I hope the proof is in the pudding you know
0: yeah I think that uh if this is a sample of changing of the changing of the styles there we go <laughs> that's what you're gonna do um then you've done a really good job because I think I, I'm surprised because I think it's very well balanced now ahead of this particular, uh, recording, Chuck and I were talking about a variety pack that I got from Odell's out in Colorado, Fort Collins. And, uh, they have their American IPA, which I think is kind of a base foot. They use a lot of GABF and then they go to their mountain standard and they double dry hopped. And, uh, it almost seems like the, uh, They're very very citrusy, very hazy. They've got tons of fruit flavor in them. This one I'm tasting has very balanced. (laughs) It's it's I can get a little bit of mango in there, but there's nothing. There's no grapefruit harshness. What sort of fruits are you getting, Chuck?
1: Well, it's hard to it's hard to pick out um, because the you know the the Belgian character from the yeast, you know the spiciness from that is blending with the uh with the hops. And so it is it's, you can tell it's an american hop but it's almost like a
0: tangerine or something. And it's definitely not a I don't know what that is. Hello. But you know. So <laughs> so you know you you know you're in america.
1: It's like a spicy tangerine or something like that.
2: I've gotten tangerine before. I've gotten pineapple described from one of my friends who drank Mm -hmm. this recently. I've got a little bit of bubble gum going on. You know, listen, this is one of the great things about these kind of beers is that you can go back through and you can smell something, taste something different every single time. And that's what's so so much of the fun of this style. And, and, you know, this is coming from a brewery. We used to have a t-shirt that was styled in the Back to the Future logo that on the back it said IPAs where well, we're going, we don't need IPAs. So we as, <laughs> a, Belgian star- yeah, we as a Belgian style brewery, we have really, uh, you know, resisted doing this. I think it was the right time and place for us. And I'm also not a huge IPA drinker myself. Uh, I know, uh, I mean, there's, there's some beers that you make Chuck over at a uh, church street, uh, that i that I tried that I absolutely loved, I like the style when it 's represented well. I like the style when it 's well balanced when it 's not ultra bitter and yeah. these this this is a this is a kind of beer that I can get into that does have some of those phenols and esters of a good Belgian beer, so I think it 's a perfect marriage
1: I think as it as it gets older, it 'll probably still do well because it doesn 't necessarily need all the the hoppiness. I think it would still stand up well just um just with the rest of it so it'd be interesting to see how that goes
2: yeah we'll we'll see you know we'll, unfortunately i've got one i've after this can i have in my hand i have three cans left in oh, my okay. own fridge and there's, no, sing- know, and there's not a single can in the brewery so <laughs> we, we
0: are very honored to be able to <laughs> tasted that um and hopefully that when people head down to florida as i know they're going to after this Uh, lockdown nonsense. Well, people are heading down to Florida now. so (laughs) They never stopped, unfortunately. (laughs) Then they can uh, come to Boca Raton and visit you. So I did want to ask one question before we break on this segment and head to the next beer. And that was uh, this you said was the first opportunity that you had with cans. And um, did you do a mobile canning line? Have you bought a canning line?
2: No, we went with a mobile canner. There's a company down here called Ironheart. I mean, they actually uh, operate all over the country. And it's just—it's a a really clean and easy way for us to get our our feet wet. Right now, we're not in a position to buy a canning line. We have a a pretty, not a pretty advanced, we have a good size bottling line because we do our 750s, we do our 12-ounce, we do our 330s. We, we have a, a very versatile line. So we're not in position. We don't have the space for it. We don't have the money for it. So, and we didn't know if this was going to be really successful for us. So, this is really kind of testing the waters, seeing how our customers respond. The, the day we released this beer, we called it the Barrel Amongst Tailgate. And we actually had people going out there and putting their tailgate stuff up and drinking beer out of cans. And it was just a very different feel from a normal Barrel Amongst experience. And we liked it. You know, we are still barrel amongst brewing. We're still a Belgian centric brewery. We're still going to have beers that you can age three to five years. That's not going away. But adding another, you know, another trick is is not necessarily a bad thing.
0: Well, um, I think you've done a good job on this one. I do like this. Um, It's I'm a piney man, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) this is okay. (laughs) Um, I knew that by looking at you. I'm sorry, piney man. (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up the next one, which is another can, but is completely different. We'll yes. find out what that is in just a, a second. second. All right, we're back and uh, after that uh, short break, we're going to head. To paradise because this next beer is um something else i'm not certain you guys do or not i'm going to hold that up to the camera there we go we got it there it's called single in paradise and the description on the bottom is sour ale with guava and passion fruit now because i don't have my glasses on i can't see when it was actually canned but i'm assuming that this is uh, fairly uh, fairly new beer um <laughs> So I'm going to crack this open. In the meantime, tell us what this is all about, Kevin.
2: So when we decided to try this canning project, we were looking at, honestly, with trends. And what are people mostly doing in these 16-ounce cans when they're only doing these cans? Obviously, a lot of breweries do tons of different styles in them. But, you know, fruited sours. Uh, hazy ipas candy bar stouts i mean those are kind of the three big styles and we have been doing sours since day one we do a lot of barrel age sours so there's there's a whole line of them called our sorcery series we've done a lot of sours over the years and we also do one yearly called blood orange bliss which is a goes up and this is in that same vein single in havana which you also have uh over there on the bar at the pub is the base beer of this, so to speak? It's a year-round beer for us. This is a treatment of that beer that adds passion fruit to the guava, and it's a sour version of it. So this is just a really clean, you know, dry, somewhat tart beer. It's not overly sour. It's not a, it's not one of those things that's gonna, you know, rip your the enamel off your teeth. And uh, we're pretty proud of it. This is a beer we've actually done before but this is the first time we've packaged it and we figured it would be a nice companion piece to the the ipa saying we've got the hoppy style here we've got the sour style here uh they're both refreshing they're both drinkable and when you're in south florida you're looking at tropical fruit people love that stuff so that's what we went with it
0: yeah i have i have to admit that uh you obviously had a job lot on the guavas because our next beer that's coming up also has guavas (laughs) on it so (laughs) um I'm getting the most amazing aroma, and I do know what guava really is all about because I like to drink Schnapple diet tea, and I mix (laughs) it with guava juice, which, believe it or not, is one of these Polish juices that you get from Timbark. And so I know guava very well. This almost... Smells like a fresh guava. Now I don't know about the passion fruit being added to it, Chuck. How are you on yeah. your passion fruit? My
1: passion fruit. I don't know that much about passion fruit, <laughs> but the guava, I definitely get that in the
0: nose. <laughs> He's not very passionate.
1: And uh, yeah, and I know it's a fruit. I mean, I know it's a a thing. I just don't really. I never really had passion fruit to know exactly what it tastes like, but I know it gets put in beer a lot. Um, but what I like about what I like about this beer is um as opposed to a lot of the a lot of the fruit beers a lot of there's a lot of fruit beer out there of course but a lot of beer just sort of tastes like somebody just dumped some fruit into there. Here, you know here's a beer with something dumped in this, this seems like um like uh, there's some care done in it and that uh it's not uh <laughs> i know i just taste everything tastes in balance and right it's not like a the nose is very strong but when you drink mm-hmm. it it's not uh everything seems pretty balanced and not too sweet it's not uh nothing's cloyingly sweet about this Mm-mm. uh it doesn't taste like you're drinking a beer with like a like with some fruit juice dumped in it mm-hmm. um you know it, it does and, taste like a beer
0: and, and, and like a also beer. I give it um I like to give beers like this a pucker value to see how much my mouth goes ooh like that you know yeah I'm going to give this like almost a 1 out of 5 because I I yeah. got the sourness but what I got, I got none, none of the tartness, tartness or the puckering. puckering. Right. Well, that's the
2: thing. And, you know, we're always trying to walk that line because what do I always say, what do we do as Americans? We just make everything bigger and grander, right? If you're going to make an IPA, it's going to be the most bitter IPA. If you're going to make a sour beer, it's going to be the most sour. Like you said, Chuck, you're going to do a fruit beer with strawberries. Oh, it's basically, it's going to be strawberry juice carbonated with some alcohol. Yeah. And that's one of the things we've always kind of rejected at Barrel Amongst because we like balance. And the classic sour ales, uh, from Belgium, you know, a classic Berliner Weiss, it's not mouth puckering sour, it's the sourness is in balance with the fruit, the balance is in balance with the malt, it's in balance with the flavors of the yeast. And we're always you kind know, of fighting with ourselves internally because we want you to taste these flavors, but we don't want it to be one dimensional. So I sat around with the guys when this beer was done and I said, is this good? are we happy with this? Are we going to be proud to serve this? Is there enough fruit? Is there enough sourness? And they were like, yeah. nothing really <laughs> kills me here. So I think it's the right, it's the right balance.
1: The salespeople always want to hit people over the head with flavor. <laughs> and and then they, they first taste it and they go, Oh, what did you do? This is uh, you know, whatever is, and there's not enough of it. And then after a while they get kind of used to the fact that it's
0: balanced, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you run
1: across that or not.
2: Oh yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: I, I have to say that this beer is, is would be on my daughter's top ten. I absolutely hundred percent know because she likes those fruity sours that are well balanced and tasty. This, I'm going to add this to my best beers of 2021, wow. and I don't, I don't have, have that, that many on, many there. on there Yeah, because so. I haven't tasted it. And it's just one of those beers that I want to look forward to sitting on my deck in the late spring and summer to have one of these as a lovely, delicious, after-work beer. Well, I don't work anymore, so <laughs> for me, it doesn't matter. You work down in the basement. You're working right now. Yeah, I am.
2: <laughs> well, that, that was the whole idea. I mean, is, it's single in paradise. It's bringing a little bit of South Florida, the tropical sun to, to you. And we actually, we are doing a little bit of distribution outside the state now. Uh, we're selling some beer up to a place called Beer Shepherd in Vermont. And we're doing some distribution down into Puerto Rico. We're doing some distribution uh, a little bit in New York. And this is, these are yeah. some relationships that we've gained from our sister brewery, Odd Breed, and vice versa. Doing some business overseas in China and over in Europe. So... Uh, there will be an opportunity hopefully to have these beers in some other places other than Florida and the U S soon. And yeah. uh, you know, I'm looking for at some point, I'd love to get uh, hooked up with someone uh, to distribute the beer in, uh, in your neck of the woods. Cause uh, yeah. I'd love for you to pay pays a more the beer. bills
0: during COVID, you know? You
2: got, yeah. You gotta find, you gotta <laughs> find outlets for that beer that you can't, <laughs> that, that you're yeah. not selling in your home and, market. and
0: Colorado as well, hopefully. <laughs> Cause that's where my daughter lives. Oh, there you go. <laughs> So um, yeah, I am really impressed with this beer. I think that this, um, you know, as a as a fruity sour, which basically it is, um, really is well balanced and delicious. And now, where did the name come from, Single in Paradise?
2: So the Belgian single style, which is basically the equivalent of a cold, short, sure, the equivalent of, I mean, basically a pilsner or a lager. Uh, The single style is something we made years ago. We started out with a beer called Single in Bruges because Bruges is in Belgium. And that beer evolved into a beer called Single in the Sun. Excuse me. We wanted to do that to tie into the local uh, environment to South Florida. And then that beer spun off to Single in Havana, which is the beer to your left, which is a guava version of our single. Which we're going to taste next. Which we're going to taste next. And then Single in Paradise. We've done a couple different takes on that idea but the base of all those beers is a single ale and we've just kind of added different fruit flavors to it different elements to it and we just like the like the naming convention and and think it's a fun way to inform people of the lineage and where this beer comes from
0: well so let's crack this one open now this one is in a bottle and it is single in havana it's a blonde ale with guava which I guess, is going to give me more of the Belgian yeastiness?
2: Yeah, well, so every beer that we do use is Belgian yeast. So this is a Belgian single. We, we market it as a, as a blonde ale because it's just it's more palatable to more people. It, there's very few people down here in South Florida that know what a single ale is. So uh, we market it as a blonde ale. It's honest. It is a it is a Belgian blonde ale. And, Marketing yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it, you, you have to think about these things and what you're putting on the label. But single in Havana, this is one of the beers that we we have br- been brewing this beer for a long time. We actually launched this beer in package for the first time during the start of COVID. It launched in March of 2020. <laughs> and we we were planning, it was a big deal for us, was launching another flagship. It was a seasonal release Whoa! that I was going to be Hold a on. flagship
1: we have carbonation that's a good yeah. thing
0: holy cow did i get a little foam sorry you should sure carry didn't. on
2: i don't know why but mine didn't do that
0: <laughs> oh well maybe i've had it out for a little
1: bit longer i think you poured it right down the center and it's warm oh be. well you
2: could <laughs> you be. Pour your <laughs> well is it
0: warm At least with the yeah, go ahead and pull oh, the rum. damn thing's warm that's why yeah so there we go <laughs> what did i do wrong nothing
2: I wasn't even watching. You probably, you probably did nothing oh. wrong. It's okay. We, we like a little bit of foam. That's where the aromatics come from. Okay,
1: good. Well, I like carbonation, so I don't have any problem.
0: Oh, you! Oh, he did okay. Show the show the show everybody what you did. There we go. Good Can man. Can you see it? Look at that. Perfect. <laughs> so, anyway, you, you were, were saying? Says, I'm sorry. sorry.
2: No. So we we launched this beer basically during COVID, and it uh it's. Beer that we've had in our arsenal for a long time and it's kind of grown in, um, in our portfolio and we launched it as a package in March and it's been a strong second flagship for us with wizard wit being our number one beer. And so it's been very, very successful and people have been taking to it. It also is referencing Havana It's referencing Cuba. There's a large Cuban population in Florida, obviously. So it ties into the culture real well. It's a Belgian blonde ale with guava. It's not sweet. It's dry as a bone. That's a big part, Chuck. You were talking about that earlier. I don't want fruit juice here. Uh, the guava is added during fermentation, so every bit of the sugar is fermented out. Yeah, and yeah.
1: So it's fermented out.
2: Yeah. This is
1: a our our beer is very effervescent, and I I think that's a good thing. I don't know if um if yours is as much as ours, but I mean, even the careful pour, I can still see just bubbles just shooting up from the bottom. It tastes it tastes wonderful.
0: Thank you. You know.
1: I think I don't know if that was intended, but it, it's good.
0: <laughs> I, th- I think if I'd had it the other way around. I gotta get over that intense guava and passion fruit that we had in the single in paradise. Uh,
2: yeah, if it would have been my choice, I probably would have done the Havana first before the Paradise, but uh, because that is a little more of a punchy in the mouth kind of beer. But hey, listen, this is what well, this is free form, man. This is jazz. We're just freaking yeah. rolling
0: with it. So now he tells me. <laughs>
2: but no listen i want some subtlety in here and if it's the first fruit bee you've had of the night it's going to be a little more impactful if your palate's not starting to get blown out from hops and, and sours uh it'll be a little more impactful but at the end of the day it needs to be dry it needs to be drinkable it's 4.5 percent. i want it to be refreshing and i also don't want it to be fruit juice so uh yeah we're pretty proud with the way it turned out
1: i think it's great i i love i love it when people just put a little and not a lot but i mean I when people are careful with the ingredients they add, instead of just clobbering over the head with stuff, that's just me.
0: <laughs> so, I, I why is it so carbonated?
1: Because it has a lot of CO two in it.
0: Well, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Chuck. Uh, okay, I get that. But, I mean, we we I try mean, some some beers like you know these Belgian beers are very carbonated. They have a big head when you pour it out, and you have to be very careful.
2: So we do a lot of bottle conditioned beers and the last beer you have, it's not a barrel amongst beer. It's our sister brewery, odd breed. That's bottle conditioned. So the carbonation level, we can get much, much higher. It's a champagne style bottle and you can hold some more carbonation in it. Overall, we want to get the carbonation level up even on our 12 ounce beers and non bottle conditioned beers because more carbonation releases more CO2 into your nose, which takes the aroma with it. It's good for aromas and flavors. I mean, that's what it, it, it's. That's one of the reasons why a Great Belgian Triple uh, bottle condition tastes better than a Great Belgian Triple on draft, usually, is because you've got that bottle condition yeah. and it changes the, the mouthfeel and the aromatics. So we want to represent that as close as we can with an American long neck bottle. It's just not as easy because this bottle will explode if you put too much co2 in it so it takes gotta,
1: a lot of nerve to try to dial that thing in just right you know
2: yeah so but we can get up around three volumes trying to get this beer into into this bottle whereas we can get up at 4.5 to 5 volumes for some of our beers in our 750s
1: wow yeah this savannah one here i would guess is at least three or something
0: i would guess i would four, say four, probably three. three five i i hundred percent love this because it is so light um I think this would be a great beer to put in a 12-ounce can.
2: It is going to it's going to happen eventually. So one of the things, I'm glad you mentioned that, that we are doing alongside with these kind of new releases for this year, and as I mentioned, every two months we're doing one, is we're taking some of our, our classics, our standards, our flagships, and we're going to use them as well as a companion beer only at the tasting room. To see a little bit of a, you know, run running up the flagpole, see if people like it. So Wizard Wit, my flagship, is going to come out for the first time in a 12-ounce six-pack around our anniversary. And then two months after that, when Endless Enigma comes back around, we're going to have Havana in a six-pack can. And that will give us a chance to develop the artwork and all that kind of stuff and, and kind of brush out the kinks. And see if our future for some of these brands is in cans. And if it is great, if it's not, that's good too. We're, we're happy to, to go down the same road we have, but I'm sure Chuck, you, you appreciate this. The profitability is much higher on cans because materials are cheaper and there's a lot of benefits to putting a beer like this into a can. There's as, less
1: liability. Yeah. I mean, if, if you do overpressurize a can, it kind of gives you a warning before it explodes. <laughs> you know? I, well, I'm serious because it's, that's something you have to worry about. Um, and so it's just, it's just a nice thing to have. If you're going to have super highly carbonated products, I'd prefer cans just because it's safer in my opinion.
0: And also, uh, and also I think you can't take bottles with you onto beaches. Well, you can, but it's it's not safe to do so. Yeah. and I think a lot of people prefer the cans because they can take them with them, and you know they can put them into things that they can hide if you're not supposed to have alcohol there, and so on and so forth. You know,
2: well, there's yeah. that. I mean, we're we're in South Florida. This is the boat culture. This is beach culture. I mean, there yeah. are tons of bars and restaurants that will not carry bottles, and these are just bars and restaurants. Now, there are also ones that won't carry cans because they think cans are bad. The truth is that cans are just as good a closure if not a better closure for most beer. Most beers are going to do better in a can cuz they can't get light struck. They're uh, they're a great they're a great storage vessel for the beer. And if you're not doing bottle conditioning or something that needs to age or get super high carbonation, then cans are the way to go. So, we'll see if Barrel Monks goes more in that direction over time. Most of our uh, uh, I was going to say competition, but that's not the nice word. Most of our uh, compatriots in the uh, brewing industry down here, we're one of the only ones that are still doing bottles. So that does actually make oh. us stand out a little bit, which is great.
1: Of your, your bottles that you use that are more robust or bigger or stronger so they can handle those higher pressures.
2: Well, our 750s surely are, and the 375s yeah. and the 500 mLs we do at Oddbreed certainly are. But these are you know 12-ounce American long necks that we use for Havana and Wizard, and yeah. also for a brand called Single
0: in the Sun. So, Well, we have, uh, speaking of 750s, yeah. I'm going to grab hold of this big boy, because we need to come back and try this, because this isn't Barrel of Monks, but it has an association. We'll be back in just a second to try that out. We are back and we have a big boy. No, I don't mean Kevin. Excuse me. And <laughs> not you either. I been <laughs> dis- Quiet. I've Over been I've been described as worse. Um, we have one of his seven hundred and fifty milliliter ones, and I put my glasses on because I want to read the name of this off properly. Um, This is not actually Barrel of Monks, but it is an associated brewery called Oddbreed Wild Ales. And we'll have Kevin say exactly what that was. This is El Establo Saison, which um, I'm not exactly certain what that means. I'm sure he'll tell us. Underneath that, it says it's a dry, hot farmhouse ale aged in French oak puncheons, which I believe are similar to... Fodas or food rays, whichever you like to pronounce it. I'm going to crack this open. And while I'm doing that, Kevin, please tell us what this is all about. So,
2: we have a sister brewery called Odd Reed Wild Ales out of Pompano Beach, Florida. And if we are a small brewery, you know, 10,000 square feet. Okay, hold
0: on. <laughs> it's got a bloody cork in it. You didn't oh, you tell didn't, me that. You didn't know about the cork? Hang on, carry on. I got to go get the corkscrew.
2: I'll talk about this while you go grab a corkscrew. Uh, so Audrey Wild Ales is our sister brewery out of uh, out of Pompano Beach. If we are a small brewery, they are a tiny, tiny brewery. Uh, they made less than 500 barrels last year. And everything is, is barrel aged. Everything is fermented in oak. Uh, everything spends at least five to seven months in oak before it's, uh, it comes out to the public. And everything uses Oddbreed's proprietary mixed culture that Matt uh, Manthe, my partner, has been developing for years and years. So there's a definite house style of what Oddbreed Wild Ales is and the kind of beers that we produce. And we've been open for, I believe, about three years now. And uh, the beers have gotten such a great notoriety that there are you know we are getting solicited by china uh, by sweden by different distributors in different countries and importers because the beers have been so well received and and so well rated helping for years and years so there's a definite house style of what these kind of sour barrel age wild ales so we do very few year-round beers, if any. Almost every beer we do is a one-off. And even the beers that we do multiple times in three years, we've done three batches of. So everything is very kind of boutique, small batch, what have you. This beer that I sent up to you, I don't know if, uh, if Phil, you looked at the, the bottled on date. This was bottled on November 9th, 2018. This is over two years old. And I did a, look at that. Yeah, and this is a bottle-conditioned beer.
0: Holy crap!
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a vintage <laughs> bottle-conditioned beer. This was actually done before Barrel of Monks bought into the brewery as uh, as partners. This was a collaboration with the Tank Brewing down in Miami. Thank you. I am so proud of what my partner Matt Manthe, does with this brewery because the the nuance the complexity that you get with long-term aging and barrel fermenting is just different. And I'm really proud of the Single in Paradise. I think it's a great beer. But there's a different level of complexity when a beer is spent a year in oak. There's a different level of complexity when it's gone when the proprietary mixed culture with Brettanomyces and all the the different bugs get to it and develop really interesting flavors. So This is what this beer represents. Uh, Establo in Spanish is barn. So this is a farmhouse barn, you know, saison. And that's where that comes from. And this was originally a dry hop beer. It's now two years old, so the hops have faded quite a bit. But you're still getting a little bit of that grassiness in there. There's definitely a brett characteristic, but it's a little bit muted. It's a little bit subtle.
0: And overall, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in and say, please do. When they talk about wet blanket, mm-hmm. this horse is blanket, wet blanket, horse blanket, mm-hmm. horse blanket. Yeah, oh, man, I, I haven't got past the aroma yet. This is fantastic.
2: And this is going to be a little more tart than if the single paris was a one. This will be up there in that two, three category. I would say it's not totally gonna you know, poke you in the jaw, but it definitely has a more of a sour characteristic to it. And Matt over at Oddbreed does some amazing thing with fruit. I mean, we're constantly putting out beers with pears and blueberries and elderberries and just all these different great uh, fruits, some really fun barrel age stuff. But the cool thing about this is we're talking about very small batch beers that are handcrafted. The process and the team over there is two people. You know, there's a bartender and then a part owner and brewmaster. That's it.
1: The nose is what really does this beer. It's, it's, it's the nose. It's the uh, that's where you get the uh, if you want to call it horse blanket or, or farm barnyard or whatever. But that's where you get the.
0: But when you get in there, when you get into tasting it.
1: Well, the flavor is very um, fruity. There's lots of different yeah, lots I, of I different mean,
0: fruits. I haven't begun to understand all the you talked about all the different fruits. I haven't lots of berries. Begun, yeah, I mean I haven't been able to get that. I've just had one sip. Now I will say the pucker value, I would only give this a two and a half out of okay. five because I thought it was gonna hit me in the face based on your description. It didn't. It it's subtle, it's Good. delicious. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's always what we're going for. Uh, you know, balance always has to come into it. But the great thing that one of the one of the um, taglines from Odd Breed Wild Ales is flavor from fermentation. And this beer did not see any fruit. This is a straight farmhouse saison. Uh, refer- it's, a, it's a saison from tank wild ale or tank brewing that was re-fermented on our proprietary yeast in our barrels. And that's it.
1: Yeah, there's nothing added to it. No. There's no fruit added or anything. It's mm-hmm. just, that's just what it is. It,
2: it's Exactly.
0: The, 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 I mean, I can't get over the fact that you just said there's no fruit in it. No, because <laughs> the amount of fruit flavor you're getting from it is incredible. I would say that the punchins now, are they Oak?
2: Yeah. All French Oak. oak? Yeah. 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 All French Oak. Uh, so that
0: really show. that really shows through, um, but it—it's just everything is just so subtle. This is this is a journey beer because I like to say, you know, you take the first sip and you get your first impressions. The next sip gives you something else. You know, this is incredible. Yeah, I mean, all these like flavors
1: it? come from yeast and the cultures that are in there. I mean, that's—I yeah. don't think they have any. It's not a wild beer. It's just a—it's just the yeast, yeast yeah. flavors.
2: And it's a, it's a, um, the, the yeast strain, the culture, the mixed culture that Matt Manthe, my partner has put together. He started putting together literally off of pouring bottles of beer, the dregs of bottles of beer that he really liked together and fermenting beer with it and seeing where that came from and then mixing other things in there and developing this whole house culture and the flavor complexity that we, that he loves and, it's all they do. Odd breed but it's only just a, does It's wilds. just
1: a wild yeast, though, right, Variety?
2: Yeah, it, it's just it's just it's wild yeast. Brettanomyces is involved in the in the mixed culture as well, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's just something that. And also, as you know very well, Chuck, you start with something; it mutates and changes over time, sure. so it be, kind of becomes your own. But so, these are
1: all yeast flavors. There's no, um, no lacto or anything like that. It's it's, it's
2: not. It's not a lacto sour. Now, is there lacto in his strain? Uh, You know, mixed in possibly. Uh, Uh, I don't. I I, honestly, (laughs) I've been in the industry for a decent amount of time. I consider myself to know a little bit. I have. I haven't been on the brewing side in a while. But when Matt starts talking to me about his mixed culture my eyes glaze over and I can't understand what the hell he's saying because he's studied this so much and understands it on such a higher level than I do. And I just trust that this is what he's passionate about. It's what he really wants to do. We get people that come over from Belgium and say, listen, it's not, it's not Cantillon, but it's in the same ballpark. Yes. You know, we get those kind of compliments from people that really know this industry and really know these beers. And I think it speaks volumes when we get people in other countries coming and going, we want we want your beer. We don't care. We have to pay for it. These are expensive beers. You know, we we most of our beers, uh, even out of the tasting room, sell for it's 20 bucks and up 25, 27, 30 dollars a bottle. Wow. Because they have to sit for a long time, so they're all done by hand. Every one of these bottles is bottled by hand. So,
0: well, yeah, I, I just, you know, I can't get over the uh, the fact that this is just such a delicious beer. Now that I've had a few beers like this in my time, I remember a beer from uh, Missouri from Second Shift called Katie, which was one of those first beers that I thought was the crossover to almost a wine now this is not a crossover to a wine because it's definitely you know got that tartness that you would say was a wild ale but boy oh boy the flavors in it Uh, anybody who's a wine drinker would probably appreciate this
2: i mean a great sauvignon blanc has good tartness to it i i just packaged a beer uh the other day which is our black tie brute which is our champagne beer a beer to champagne that we did in a Sauvignon Blanc barrel. And you get those wine-like characteristics. So there's definitely crossover between that. More people, more wine drinkers would really, really enjoy beer if they pick the right beers to try yeah. out for the first time, because there are beers in this category that are perfect for them. I was just doing a, a staff training the other day for a new restaurant opening up and someone said something to the effect of, Oh, I don't, I don't like, I was a sour beer. It was my goza that was there. And they said something to the effect of like, Hey, uh, I don't like sour beers. And I'm like, Oh, or that as a, do you like sour drinks? They go, no. And they were drinking a kombucha while they said it. Huh? Well, kombucha is sour. And yeah. I said, do you ever drink a margarita? Yeah. I love margarita. Well, that's sour. It's called sour mix for a reason. You love sour drinks, you just don't know that beer can be sour and be complex and interesting. If you've you got know, that in your mind, then it's a different thing.
0: Yeah, you know, the sour beers have the same issue as English bitters. Nobody wants to drink a pint of bitter. Be, oh, I don't like bitter, but it's not bitter. And that's the same with sours. It's a misnomer. The name's a misnomer. Yeah,
2: Especially with the English bitter, because... If you put an English bitter next to an American IPA, you've got, the, you've got a giant malt bomb sitting next to a bitter-ass beer, and one yeah. of them is called bitter and the other one's not, which, you know, pick your poison. I, I, I have a, a, someone that I know in the industry that always jokes, and he always says, I just want to make a great bitter. That's like his, his like goal, his, his white whale, but he knows he can't sell it but it's just one of his favorite styles, but he really wants to make an English bitter. I said, Hey man, listen, make enough money and you don't have to worry about it in the future. Go ahead and make your better.
0: You'll be fine.
1: You just have to come up with a different name for it. Call it an English <laughs> pale ale or something. No, usually
0: they call it the English ESBs, right? Mm-hmm. English strong bitter.
2: Or extra mm-hmm. special
0: bitter. Yeah. English special bitter. It's been a while. I've just fallen <laughs> over by this beer. Now, now I, have I have to, to say, say that, that the, uh, the, uh, uh Carbonation has dropped on it, so now you don't have any of that head left, but there's still got a tingle as you drink it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Tell us
0: what you times. think about this beer because you, you know, I don't know if you've made too many of these at Church Street, but oh. uh, you know, it's it's just bowled me over. <laughs>
1: no, we haven't we haven't made anything like this really. Um like I said, this is all all these flavors are derived from the yeast. And so, um, that that's where all the, the work goes. And, and, and once you get that yeast strain, well, there you go. Um, we order, I mean, we just order our yeast from Omega yeast and we can get something like it, but it won't, it won't. <laughs> there you go. Ding. But, uh, now nah, this is, uh, this is a labor of love right here. And, um, it's especially specialize in that, and and, uh, and they're obviously excelling in it.
0: Well, uh, so thank you. What exactly was the qualifications of? Uh, I can't remember his name. You tell me his Matt. name, but yeah, Matt. But how Matt did me. he get to be? understanding? Is he a micro, macro, no microbiologist? That's what it would be.
2: So th- this is a, a funny story. So I was I started my career at a place called Funky Buddha Brewing, which now is a massive brewery owned by Constellation Brands, and we started in a little, basically a little closet in a hookah bar, uh, many many years ago. And I was the head brewer there. My I met a gentleman named Matt Manthe who was working at a brew pub, a local kind of chainy kind of brew pub. Uh, called Brewsies, and he used to be the head brewer at Thomas Creek Brewing. He studied in Germany. He has a great, he has a history and went to school for microbiology. So he kind of got a really good start in the industry that way. He studied in Germany with a head brewer at a a good production brewery. And he was brought in, we knew him in a friendly manner, but he was brought in when we opened up the production facility for Funky Buddha, the 15,000 square foot now probably five times that big in Oakland park. And Matt was our consultant because none of us connected with funky Buddha brewing had ever brewed commercially before we were brewing on basically a large homebrew system. And he was our consultant who helped us scale up. So Matt is very much one of my mentors even though we're basically the same age and got in the industry at a similar time, but he went to school, learned all these things and we worked together. So well, I always said, I hope we work together again. And then lo and behold, down the road, he opens up this sour brewery. He's looking for partners. One of his partners wanted to get out and my little boutique brewery that does only Belgians in my partnership said, Hey, we love this guy. We love what he does. And we started working together again. So, Uh, Matt is, I've been saying for years, the best technical brewer in the state of Florida. People that know him know that's probably the case. And he's just one of those guys that reads every single thing. He get his hands on, has experimented and wants to do everything with perfection. And it's really easy to cut corners in a brewery. It's really easy not to sanitize a hose. It's really easy not to clean this thing up. It's really easy to put a mediocre beer out when you go, you know, it's good. It's not exactly what I want, but it's good enough. Mm-hmm. Matt is not that guy. He's the guy that goes, Nope, this is not up to my standards. I'm putting this entire thing down the drain. And I love him for it. And it's one of the reasons why he's excelled.
0: Well, that's uh fantastic that somebody has that level. Oh, excuse me. It is a little bit uh carbonated. I'm getting a little burpy there. Um uh, it's, it's fantastic that you have sent us up this beer so that we can share it with people up here. And if you go down to Florida, please go to Boca Raton, visit of Monks. How far is that from Pompano Beach? I like that. Pompano. Pompano Beach.
2: Only about twenty minutes. We're we're relatively close to one another. Now, listen, Phil, when you come down here, when COVID's in the review mirror, and you come down, we'll go to Odd Breed. You'll check that out. We'll go to Barrel of Mongs. We'll crack open some beers in the vintage cellar. And by the way, Chuck, you're invited too. I don't know if you can ever get away, but uh, oh, yeah, yeah. We, we'll we'll check out both the breweries. I think you you guys have a lot of fun.
0: So I guess I guess my question is whether or not you think. Uh, that this year is going to be okay like come the the end of summer do you think people are going to start traveling
2: listen we're we're not planning I am planning to do a reduced capacity business for the rest of this entire year that's what I'm putting in my projections that's what I'm planning for and I hope that I'm going to be pleasantly surprised because I'd rather plan for uh, uh, scarcity (laughs) than plan for a huge rebound when we've got bills to pay. So I'm hoping that things start to normalize again. But listen, we don't know what normal is going to look like again. So
0: it's the new normal.
2: Yeah, we're going to have to see what happens. But this is one of the reasons why I'm glad that we're going into these cans and we're trying different things. I've told a bunch of my friends in the industry, you got to pivot. Or you might have to pivot. you might have to find a new revenue stream. You might want to do, yeah. try a new style.
1: I think the breweries that survive are the ones that are packaging, canning and just getting distribution.: Yeah,'ll that may not make you a ton of money, but it'll get you through this tough time. when you get your tap room open again,
2: <laughs> it's, it's tough when you don't have that revenue stream, and even going to the bars and restaurants, I mean, one of my flagship brands. In kegs, I'm selling half the amount of those kegs that I was at this time last year. Oh, so yeah, we don't we don't need
1: keg beer. We just started kegging finally.
0: <laughs> so keg. I, I have a question for uh for Kevin before we go. I, I, I have to say this now because I'll forget. How's the wrestling podcast?
2: <laughs> My buddy and I have been doing a pro wrestling podcast, I want to say for it's got to be almost five years now, and we do it every single Wednesday. We record. The podcast comes out on Thursdays, and during this time of social distancing and not getting together with friends, it has been an incredible release to get on with my buddy every night or once you know once a week and talk about something so trivial and silly. So, yeah, it's still going okay. The Miss Spots uh, Are they still podcast. wrestling? They are still wrestling. It's a, it, that's a business no one will ever kill.
0: <laughs> it's all fate you know what wait what <laughs> phil no say it George ain't so this bubble
2: say it oh, ain't so it <laughs> first COVID well, and now this <laughs>
0: <laughs> well I just have to say once again Kevin thank you so much for sending this up to the britain yankee we hope that uh, you'll soon be able to distribute into illinois or close to it, so we can maybe Missouri. We'll, we'll go to Missouri and get your beers. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I just like to raise my glass. Chuck, do you think you can reach over and give us one of these clangs? Um, it's good night from me. Thank you, Kevin. And, and good night from him. Oh, there's a nice clang. I wish that we could clang with you, Kevin. There we go, let's go forward and clang. This is what I call Oh, <laughs> oh there we go. This is what
1: I call a balanced diet right here. <laughs> <laughs> right?
0: And that's all there is to it, folks. Odd side ales, bowl of monks. just head on down the floor and you'll never be disappointed, I'm telling you. Cheers, Kevin.
1: Cheers.